0: up y'all and welcome back to found bites a game review series my name is brian and i'll be your host if you don't know about us we're all about testing out and finding small high quality video games this is a podcast that aims to respect your time and money as a gamer and a consumer by sifting through storefronts and sales to find the gems that may be worth your precious resources if you're interested in reaching out or helping out Feel free to email us at foundbytesgrs at gmail.com, tweet at foundbytesgrs, and also rate and subscribe to us on whatever podcast feed you're using. Also, don't be afraid to leave some comments. If you're a developer who would like to participate in our Spotlight interview series of special episodes, please reach out through any of our channels. We would love to hear from you. But enough about the show. Let's get into our next game. Apatheon is the game for this week's episode. Apatheon is a 2D action platformer. Some comparable games, so there are quite a bit of Metroidvanias that I think I would compare this to. Most recently, Death's Gambit. Greek is another one that we played, not so much in uh, like having three different uh, players at the same time, but just the Metroidvania aspects of it, and something even like Axiom Verge. Apatheon was released initially in February of 2015 on PC and PS4, and that is where it stands right now, so no Switch, no Xbox consoles. The game was developed by Alien Trap, and they're an indie studio from Toronto that's been around for a bit, and more recently they made a game called Witchwood, with a Y, Witchwood. I am actually looking forward to playing that. I bought that a couple months ago, so um, we may actually get to that on the podcast. And the game was published by Alien Trap, so self-published. The game had a physical release, kind of, through something called IndieBox, which was only for PC. And IndieBox, I think, was or is uh, some kind of subscription service. And it basically had just a PC port. It came with some cool stuff, like a map, like a mouse pad, things like that. And that was released in August of 2015, so a couple... About halfway uh, through the year after initial release the game was released with a price point of $14.99 and the indie box physical release i think it actually had two editions uh the $39.99 and $59.99 and i think there was some kind of uh, special thing like maybe a special poster you got with the more expensive one runtime of the game if you're playing straight through just the story not doing anything on the side about eight hours But if you're doing more, and I've certainly been uh, trying to clean up a lot of things and do a lot of side quests, somewhere between 10 and 15, maybe even more. For our PlayStation listeners, the game does have a platinum trophy. Looks a bit tough. I'm not sure if I'm going to go for it. Me, I actually did not buy this game. This was the first game that I got for free on PlayStation Plus. And I kind of dove right in. I really liked it initially. And I played it like so long ago. And so coming back for this podcast, this is the second time I'm playing through this game. In the first go of me playing this game, I put about five plus hours into it. But now through my playthrough, I've gone a little further. And if you're tracking my trophies, you can see that I'm starting to get some of the later ones now, as opposed to some of the earlier ones like way back in like 2016. And so I put in a little more than seven hours, but I've really been taking my time and sweeping along. In terms of recommendation, no one really pointed this game out to me. Again, it was free on PS Plus, so it was like, why not try it? And I actually really enjoyed my experience. I'm not sure why I went away from it initially. I think it was just that I had a new PS4, and I wound up playing like The Last of Us Remastered and all kinds of things like that. But it was very cool, and I I dug it. And I think it was the art style and the mythology that really got me into it. And it definitely looked very unique, not like anything I had ever seen before. All right, let's talk some gameplay here. So this is a 2D game, and it will split between a lot of platforming, some side-scrolling, and definitely some Metroidvania elements. Let's talk first about your character. So you're going to be moving them back and forth with the joystick or whether you're playing on PC. And if you move in one direction, they'll be walking. And if you hold it down in that direction, uh, I think eventually he'll start running and you can jump and you can also jump down through platforms. And there's going to be a lot of this, uh, with like staircases, like you'll be running along a certain platform and you'll just see like a 45 degree diagonal staircase going up, but then you might have like multiple staircases at the same time. Like if you're going through a village or something like that. So there's a lot of like jumping up to get to things, but also jumping down through, uh, stairs and platforms. And there'll be ladder climbing. And the game actually does a really good job in the beginning of introducing you to most of the basic things, um, like in the background of what you're doing. It'll have like the command with the buttons and like what to do when you see these things. So you'll be able to climb ladders. You'll also see like ladders on the ceiling that run across the ceiling. And you can kind of like jump up to them and he'll monkey bar across. And also dodge rolling. So you're going to be able to roll through enemies and people and stuff like that. In terms of combat, a lot of it is going to be just swinging whatever melee weapon you have equipped. And there is a stamina bar, but I'm going to be honest, I barely took notice of it and I forgot very often. Most of the melee combat is going to be timing with your movement. And so there is, like, a nice window of, like, you can move while you're swinging. So you can actually time it so that, like, you can back out while the enemy is attacking and then time your swing so that, like, it'll be as close to the enemy as soon as you move in. And so there are a lot of factors when it comes to that sort of swinging and that timing. Uh, Obviously proximity, like how close the enemy is, uh, whatever weapon you have equipped, how long of a reach it has, the type of weapon, like the way it swings and the speed that it swings because there are like different classes of weapons but in terms of like combat this is not going to be a button mashing thing this is not going to be super fast paced you can really take your time with this melee combat and and strategize and make sure your hits count With the right stick, if you're playing on PlayStation, you basically can control the camera. You can aim with it in like a 360 view. And so this is going to be important because sometimes you'll be walking one way, but for some reason you're facing the other way. And so you can constantly just pick which side you're looking at, and that's going to be the side that you swing the weapon. But also you can do it in a 360 view. So there'll be like aerial enemies. There might be enemies below you. You might need to hit something at a certain angle. You might need to shoot a ranged weapon at a certain angle. And so there's really a lot of sort of freedom with how you do things. I found myself going back and forth, like, not that I'm always controlling the aim stick. Like, sometimes when I just leave it somewhere, it stays there, and that's fine. There is, like, an auto-aim with that. It's pretty vague, but it can be helpful, especially if there's, like, aerial enemies and you're shooting or throwing something. So besides the melee weapon, you can throw any of your melee weapons, And you can pick it up later. We'll talk about the pickup economy in a little bit. So any weapon can be thrown. And then you'll have also ranged weapons. So you will have like bows and arrows and like things you can throw like javelins. And they will have like an ammo counter. And then you'll also have like these throwables like grenades and also some consumables that will be good for like health or buffs or things like that. And then you'll have an offhand that is not something that you can really, you know, have an array of things. In fact, like, playing through this game in the offhand, I really only switch between a shield and a torch. I don't really see anything else that fits in that. In terms of the pacing, like I said, this is more strategic than just, like, quickly killing enemies. I like that there are options. Like, you can fall back and do more range things. And I like that there's a good sort of hit and health balance There is weapon durability in this game. I normally hate weapon durability. In this game, I feel like it's okay because with most of your weapons, you can only hold one of them. And so if you find one that has a better durability, you can just pick it up and it'll automatically swap it out. So I did find myself doing this a bunch of times. Like if I found a new version of a weapon... And I had like one that was pretty low in durability. I would leave it there, and then I'd go like hit some other things to like max that out and destroy that weapon, and then just pick up the pristine one. But some of the weapons uh, you will have, you will be able to stack multiple of them. But most of them, especially the the really good ones, you're only going to be able to hold one of them at a time. So let's jump to the inventory because we're talking about stacking and things like that. So as you're on the main screen, your D-pad, if you're on the controller on PS4, you can go side to side and it'll swap between sort of like the different classes of items that you have, most of which are weapons. So it's going to be like the one immediately to the right of the middle of the screen, just your standard melee weapons. So all the ones that you have. And I don't think there's actually a limit because there's a lot of different weapons that you can find and pick up. So you'll be able to go over to that menu and like while you're live in combat, you can scroll up and scroll down and you can just switch weapons like mid combat. It's pretty good with that in terms of like not interrupting too much, Um, but it is it can be a lot to manage if you have like a lot of enemies and then you can also go over one more and you'll have like your range stuff like your bow and arrow like your sling or whatever like all of your range things are going to be in that and then if you go one more over it'll be uh sort of your grenades and then if you go one more over it'll be like your health items if you want you can go to like if you hit the options button you can go to like the actual menu and it'll show you your full inventory if you go to the left with the d-pad um, you'll go to the offhand. Now, the thing about this is you can only actually hold one shield at one time. You're going to find better shields, and you just wind up like keeping whatever the better one is, and then you can like tick down to your torch. Like I said, there's only two things that I found in the offhand, and actually you can hit a button to just swap between your offhand things, so you don't have to go over with the D-pad and switch it. Certain things do stack. Like some melee weapons, one that you get is like a Doru, which is basically like a long spear, And so you can stack, I think, five of them. And they're really good at, like, poking for long range. But you can, again, also throw them and then pick them up. Your ammo is going to have stacks, too. I think, for the most part, uh, the javelins, like, stack to a max of 10. But, like, your arrows and your sling bullets or whatever will stack all the way up to 50. So you can keep picking them up if you see them. You'll also have lock picks in your inventory. Uh, They're not something that you can find, really, in the menu. It's just when you come up to a locked door... If you have lock picks in your inventory, you'll be able to unlock it. There's also crafting in this game, which is interesting because it's not something that really is that at the forefront, but it's still something that is important to have. But you can only do this on the pause menu, which is nice. So you don't have to worry about trying to craft something while there's enemies around or anything like that. You can do it in the pause menu. Certain things that you can craft, consumables, like your health, items and your buff items a lot of your grenades you can craft to be able to craft things you're going to have to find or buy recipes and then you'll have to find the materials and there's not that many materials there's only like six or eight materials in the entire game and most of them work synergistically so a lot of them kind of work together it's not really that extensive and it's not overwhelming i think it's just right in terms of picking up there's sort of like a pickup economy. pickup So as you're walking through, uh, you might find things on the ground. You might find weapons. Uh, You also might find things in chests that you have to open. Some of these chests you have to unlock with a lockpick. And you'll also find a lot of, like, boxes and barrels just kind of laying there in the background. You can break these, and you should be breaking these constantly because they have a ton of things that you're going to need the things that you can pick up like I said weapons uh, most of the ammo like you'll see arrows there um, that you can just constantly pick up consumables materials Um, the thing with weapons and ammo is that their durability plays a part here because like I said you can throw any weapon and also if you're shooting an arrow as long as that arrow or that weapon is not depleted in durability you can go to wherever it is and you can just pick it right back up So that's why I tend to use the Dorus a lot because there's like five of them that you can have in your hand. And so you can throw a couple and then like you'll still be hitting with it if you have a couple left in your inventory. And then you can just kind of like go on the other side and pick them back up. It can be a little frustrating if you're using a weapon that there's only one of and you throw it. Because either if you throw a weapon and it's gone from the inventory or it completely breaks... I think that it just resets you to whatever the top weapon is in your inventory and that often is one of your best weapons which can be good but not if you want to like save that one because you're like oh I was using this weapon after the other one broke and I didn't even realize and I'm losing durability on it. Things that you'll auto pick up are coins so you just have to like walk through them. Also health and armor. So the health and armor that you pick up is just like adding to what you have. So if you're low on health and you walk through like a health item, it'll just add health to your health. makes sense. And the same thing with armor. You're gonna have a set amount of armor that you have like active. And if you get hit for that many damage, it goes away. But again, if you walk into some armor that's just sitting there, it'll add to your total. But what's interesting about this is that you can go above your max, and you will constantly. So let's say your max health is like 100, and you have 80 health, and you walk through like a bunch of health items that are just automatically picked up, and they give you like 40 health, your health will be 120. But for every second that it's above your max, it ticks down one. So that can be a really good thing. You can walk through a bunch of health and armor, And then, like, walk into a fight or something like that and have more than your max. So, I like that mechanic. I think that's really good. In terms of health and armor, you do have these standard, like, potions that will give you both of them. Like, one for health is called Nectar, and then for your armor, it's called Repair Kit. As long as you have one in your inventory, a Nectar, if you hit a button, it'll automatically consume a health thing. So, it's not like you have to go through the D pad menu. And then the same goes for the armor and the repair kit. Although I'm not sure, like if you are low on health and armor and you just hit the button to consume, it'll consume the health thing and it'll keep doing that until your health is full. And then if your health is full and you hit the health button consume item, it'll consume a repair kit. On the topic of armor, you will actually come across a armor that you can equip. And so if you go in the menu, you can look at like All the different things that your character is going to have, like a helmet, bracers, like a torso armor or whatever. Um, This is completely passive and is really not going to be that big of a deal. But as you go through the world, you'll find upgrades to it. Like if you open a chest and it's like better bracers, it'll boost your armor by five. And then so you just put that on. And then so that's how you can kind of boost that uh, static armor that you normally have. In terms of traversing the game... Uh, there is a map, and the map is very Metroidvania, and if you're walking through the world and you hit the map button, it's actually going to overlay it over the screen almost as like a shadow, and you can move at the same time that this map is up. I really like this mechanic. I love when games do it. There are a lot of good Metroidvanias that do it similarly, and I think that it's a good way to like look at the map and also move quickly if you have to go somewhere or if you have to go somewhere very specifically and you need to see the big map to see how you're jumping. There are markers on the map that will really help you. There's a marker for you. There's a marker for any enemies that are close by. Also on the map, you will see the main quest. Also, there is fast travel in this game. I didn't really use it because I didn't really feel that I needed to. But especially if you're going back and doing side quests or, or trying to find things, it is really good for that you will come across shops that have merchants and so when you go to these shops you can buy weapons there and the thing about buying weapons is as you find new weapons out in the world it'll tell you like this is now available to purchase at the merchant so it's obviously keeping in mind that durability is part of the game you can also buy armor like i said if you find like new bracers in a chest or something like that you can also buy it Um, from one of the merchants there is a weapon trainer and you can buy permanent upgrades to some of your damage with specific weapon types and you can also go to the apothecary and that's where you can buy some consumables and that is also where you can buy recipes to make consumables also as you're traversing through the world you'll find a lot of like random houses some of them might have names but most of them are just say Like, when you go up to the door, it'll say, like, enter house. Some of these will be locked. Some of these will be unlocked. And you can go in. You can, like, take things. Or you can kill the people in the houses. That's one thing that's really interesting about this game. Uh, And it reminds me a lot of, like, Baldur's Gate or Fallout. Where, like, morally, like, you can make all of these passive decisions just as you're interacting with this world. Like, you can kill anyone. You can hit anyone with a sword. It's just interesting because if a guard sees you or even if you're, like, in the middle of a town and you, like, hit a box and break it and there's a guard there, like, they'll start attacking you. So, like, there's always that consequence. The premise of this game is that, like, you're going around trying to, like, take down the gods And so if you're up in the Agora or the Acropolis, they know that you're trying to do that. So there's already, like, this hostility towards you. They don't like you. And so at a certain point, like, you do have to do things that the guards don't like. But just keep that in mind. I like that you're sort of in this city and, like, you can do things that you're like, oh, should I do this? This might cross the line. In terms of hostility, the enemies that you come across, like I said, there's a lot of soldiers that you might fight. Most of the enemies are going to be humans. There are enemies that are animals. And they definitely behave differently, like dogs that move quickly and bite you. Um, There are some mythological creatures, like minotaurs and things like that, or half horse, half whatever. Obviously, humans and animals, they have varying speeds of attack. And so it kind of gets you to treat things differently or approach things differently. The boss fights in this game are really cool. I really enjoy them. They're very unique, all of them. And again, very based in who these characters are. It's not always combat. Some of it is going to be different puzzles or riddles that you have to solve. Um, Some of the bosses are going to be the same size as you. Some of them are going to be freaking huge. And so I like the different scale and how that varies. In terms of puzzles, there are some puzzles that you have to get through with certain quests. A lot of Zelda here. um, A lot of like shoot the switch over there. I do dig that because not everything in this game is combat. And I think that's a positive. In terms of quests... You've got main quests and you've got side quests. Your main quests are always going to be displayed on the map. They're always going to have those markers on the map. And what I like about the main quest is there's always like three different things that you have to do and you can do them in any order. The other thing is you always know where to go. There's never any confusion about what you need to do for the story. And so I really like this because it's not confusing, especially in a Metroidvania type game. You'd think there's a lot of backtracking and it's like, oh, I can go here now. And so so there's not really any of that. It's like very straightforward. And that's very nice. I enjoy that. In terms of side quests, it's completely the opposite because the side quests are things that I think you really have to dig for and work for. And it's very rewarding, I feel. Any side quest is only going to be stated on like a note. There are some things that I'm just realizing that I can do. I just realized that, like, I've been involved in this quest for Hermes. Like, there are seals that if you go and hunt down these five people, you'll find all the seals. And then you can go to where you unlock the seals. And so it's pretty cool because it has, like, a lot of extra story elements. And it's like that hidden RPG delight. Like, oh, I didn't know... Like, I'm not sure if anybody's going to find this. I'm so glad that, like, I found this and now I'm making these connections. Finding these things, I think, is really exciting. And again, unfolding things about characters is also pretty good. For doing any quests, whether main or side, you're going to get rewards. For the main quests, it's going to be permanent upgrades. Like, you'll retrieve an item from this god and it'll give you, like, plus 50% health regeneration when you use a, a potion or something like that. So things like that. In terms of accessibility... I think there are a lot of good visual indicators in this game. Like I said with durability, if you look at the D-pad menu like when you go over to your menu in combat and scroll through your weapons, like there's a square that the weapons in and how like cracked it is shows you like how much durability it has left. And even when you're picking up items, there's like a little yellow bar for durability. There is a higher difficulty option called champion difficulty. That you can change at any time. I found the normal game pretty good uh, in terms of difficulty. I did die a bunch, not too much. There is like this counterbalance between dying and restarting or using like a lot of your health items or consumables. And so you can just like die or restart an encounter pretty easily if you want to, because there are auto saves and there are manual saves. And the thing about auto saves, is if you go to the last autosave, it's just like the last door you went in, whether it's a house, whether it's a boss room, doesn't matter. talk about the vibe of apotheon so first and foremost greek mythology everywhere this is completely rooted in greek mythology which is super cool if you're into mythology so the basic idea is that zeus is kind of severing ties between the gods and the humans and so the gods are like turning the backs on their humans and the humans world are kind of going to crap you start out the game and hera is trying to help you and so basically you're on this quest to take the power away from the gods In terms of lore, this game is very thorough. So a lot of your main and side quests are going to be true to a lot of mythology, but sometimes they'll take a different spin on it. A lot of the locations you'll go to, like you're going to go to Hades, you're going to go see Zeus, you're going to go to see Demeter and all this stuff. As you're walking through the game, uh, there will be these tablets that are just kind of standing up. And you'll go up to them, and you can read them, and they're going to be passages from the Iliad and the Odyssey and and stuff like that. And it's very specific to, like, what area you're in or, like, what boss you're going to fight. A lot of the statues and imagery, very much Greek mythology, Uh, you're going to see a lot of naked men and women, you're going to see breasts, you're going to see penises in a lot of the statues. Nothing new. A lot of the weapons and items are definitely things that you may have seen visually, or I don't know if you would recognize any of the names of the weapons, but you can definitely tell that they're rooted in sort of ancient Greece. And a lot of the rooms and the architecture, the feel here, is very much like Greek architecture and, like, these really high ceilings and archways and things like that. Visually, this looks like ancient Greek art, like, on old pottery. You've got, like, these sort of hieroglyphic outlined figures that are almost like negatives because, like, they're dark and, like, the background is light. And it's this black-orange kind of color palette. Like, the characters are black and then the background is this orange very cool. It's it's basically just Greek 2D art come to life. In terms of audio, really like the music in this game. It has some very epic boss battle music, but even just the passive music, like as you're going through stores and the sound effects of like hearing people talk as you walk by them. And I do like the voice acting in this game with the characters. I think they just really capture the mood of whether it's just passing people or like some of these gods, really interactive and makes the world kind of breathe as you're walking through it. Uh, And I really dig that. All right, let's wrap up the conversation about Apotheon. This is a great game. I really like this game, and I'm surprised that I didn't beat it my first go-around, but I think I just got inundated with a bunch of other new games. This is all Greek mythology. If you're into it, I highly suggest you play this game. You're really going to appreciate it, and you might even be able to predict some of the things that might happen. I think the feel of this game is super unique, especially with the visuals. This strange like kind of hieroglyphic 2D art and this color palette. It's just so refreshing. You don't see a lot of games like this. I love the variety in this game. Whether it's the boss battles, the different puzzles that you run into. I think it just throws different things at you. The combat, I think, is kinetic, but also you know, slow-paced strategy. You can play it different ways. I'm definitely not a fan of durability in general, but I think this game does it kind of as best as you might be able to because of the just rampant availability of weapons. I enjoy progressing through this game. I like discovering things like optional side quests and reading tablets about Hermes or Helios or whoever. I think 15 bucks is great value for this game. Again, I got it on PlayStation Plus, so... I'm coming from a standpoint of essentially having it for free, but 15 bucks, I think it's a solid value. I rarely see this game on sale. If you ever see it on sale, I think $10 is an absolute steal for this game. Definitely a great 2D platformer with some Metroidvania-esque elements. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Stay tuned for our next episode to see what new game we found for you.